AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the U.S. Grains Council. In tough economic times, it's good to remember that agriculture is one of America's bright spots. That's true at home, and it's true internationally. The United States is the world's top agricultural exporter, with over $135 billion in exports last year. Those exports supported more than one million jobs at home. The U.S. Grains Council is one of the leaders of the U.S. Ag Export Team. It operates in over 50 countries to develop markets for U.S. corn, sorghum, barley, and co-products. Winning those markets is a team effort. The Council partners with the USDA's Foreign Agricultural Service to get the job done. That partnership, by the way, is just one more of the many programs that depend on the reauthorization of the Farm Bill. And now, AgriPulse Open Mic. Roger Johnson, President of the National Farmers Union, welcome to AgriPulse Open Mic. Good to be with you, Ken. Roger, the Farm Bill was defeated by the House of Representatives. Uh, could you give a little postmortem of why you think it failed? I think the bottom line is there were several poison pills that were added in the House, and you had just a lot of uh, high-strung folks, a lot of hurt feelings, uh, a lot of anger, and uh, I think just uh, sort of in the in that moment, in that time frame with those rough amendments that were added, especially added right before the final vote, uh, we just lost the vote. Colin Peterson, uh, the Democratic uh, ranking member, said it was deliberately sabotaged. Is that what you're saying? Well, uh, I certainly I'm not going to disagree with, uh, with Colin Peterson. I, I will say that, you know, there were, everyone knew that this was a delicate balance and that the cuts to SNAP were going to be a big problem for a lot of the Democrats, particularly the urban Democrats, and that in order to get enough of them, you had to be really careful. And I think uh, Chairman Lucas was really careful working with Colin Peterson and trying to get that balance. $20 billion in cuts was, in their mind, too deep. And the, the poison pills were really these additional conditions that were attached to SNAP recipients. And the fact that the last one uh, that, that happened right before the vote was another one of those SNAP additional restriction kind of amendments and the fact that uh, Leader Cantor came down on the floor and spoke for it, which is really kind of uncharacteristic of how these bills would be managed, was viewed by those Democrats as sort of a thumb in the eye. And that may well be what Colin is referencing when he talks about it being sabotaged. Let me refer to one more thing that uh, Peterson was quoted in the Grand Forks Herald as saying, that he made a deal with Representative Lucas that would include the food stamp cuts in the bill with the understanding they would be removed in the conference when they got back to the Senate. So, in other words, Peterson was in favor of food stamp cuts knowing they would be taken out in conference. Well, you know, most folks understand that the the House is more conservative than the Senate. 
and they understand that you passed two different bills, one in the Senate, one in the House, and at the end of the day, after you pass those individual bills, they do need to be conferenced. And what gets worked on in conference are the differences between the two bills. If everyone knew that the Senate cut uh, just over $4 billion from SNAP and that that was going to be a reach to cut much more than that. Uh, and so I think that's why the the uh, agreement in the House was you've got to get a bill passed and there will be deeper cuts in SNAP. Most of us would expect that, okay, so if the House cut 20 and the Senate cut 4, you know, you'd maybe add those two numbers together and divide by 2 and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, push it around a little bit from there. There will be a deal made in conference. It's going to be someplace between 4 and 20. Let's turn to what may happen, and your group, along with many others, want the Farm Bill brought back up on the floor of the House. How do you keep the same thing from happening again? Well, um, <laughs> that is really a good question, but I think, you know, the, the leadership really has got to exercise, I think, some more control over the types of amendments that are allowed to be taken up. And that may sound undemocratic until you understand that many of these poison pill amendments that were added were added mostly by Tea Party Republicans who then turned around and voted against the bill in final passage. So I think one can make an argument Why do you allow amendments to be attached to the bill when the sponsors of those amendments already have said they're going to vote to kill the bill anyway? Uh, So, you know, I think we know now which amendments were really damaging in terms of losing votes for final passage, and we know which of these members of Congress voted for those amendments and against the bill. So, you know, a little bit of figuring here will identify the amendments that really aren't going to help at all for final passage. And you work a deal did not bring those amendments uh, to the bill, and you pass a cleaner version of the bill, something that's closer to what came out of the the House Ag Committee. Let's uh, talk about the prospect of splitting the bill. There are some that yeah. think they've got enough votes to make it to where you split SNAP off and you vote on it separately from farm programs. How do you stand? Uh, we we are very opposed to splitting the bill, I, and I think for some very, very sound reasons. I, I would argue that those who mostly argue for splitting the bill are largely folks who will argue for killing the bill at the end of the day. The uh, The... Here's the dynamic. Let's say you split the bill and you pass two bills in the House. Almost assuredly, the only way the House will pass a nutrition bill is to cut even more than $20 billion out of it. That makes it that much more difficult to conference that piece of it with the Senate since they only cut four. You then move to the egg, the rest of the bill, and how do you pass that bill when you don't have any nutrition supporters anymore. I I just think the political dynamics around the Farm Bill for many years have been based on a three-legged stool. The farm interest, those of us who want a safety net for family farmers, 
the conservation or environmental groups that want the right kind of care taken for the land and the water and the air, and thirdly, the consumers who eat the food that we produce on the farms. And I think that delicate balance is essential to pass a bill, and that by definition means the bill needs to be a bipartisan bill, as it always has been. Roger Johnson, do you think the SNAP program needs reform? You know, our members uh, have policies supporting the SNAP program. Uh, we don't have policy talking about reform for this or that. I mean, we just don't, don't, don't get to that detail. What I will say is that I, I don't think there's a government program around that couldn't use some reform. So I, you know, I would not out of hand say, no, this, this, uh, the SNAP program operates perfectly. But uh, in defense of it, the uh, the government auditors who have looked at the SNAP program and other programs at USDA and other places of the government, but particularly at USDA, find that the error rate in the SNAP program is lower than it is on virtually all the other programs. It's something under 3%, if I remember correctly. That's, that's a lower... I mean, one of the interesting arguments that was made on the House floor uh, I think was uh, I, I think it was uh, Congressman McGovern who made it. He said, "Well, we will we will make the cuts to the SNAP program as soon as the error rate on crop insurance gets down to the same level that it is on SNAP." So, it, you know, of course we can use reform, but let's be honest about the kind of error rates that are out there, and it, and it's run pretty well. It's run pretty efficiently, I think. Let me turn to immigration. Uh, the Senate passed a bill with a strong majority. Does it have in it what you want for agriculture? Yes, it does. Uh, that's another example of, uh, of a bill where I think it's going to be very, very difficult to get to a final, uh, a, a final bill that can pass both houses in the same form. I think the Senate has done a remarkable job in a very, very strong bipartisan basis, getting nearly 70 votes for this bill uh, out of the Senate. Uh, and intact in the Senate version was what we call the AWC or the Ag Worker Coalition uh, provisions that deal uh, with the things that pretty much all of us in agriculture have come together to support. And that's... Uh, Farmers Union, Farm Bureau, the, the workers themselves, a lot of the other uh, commodity groups, uh, and and the industries that are heavily dependent uh, upon immigrant workers. So uh, that provision is, those provisions are in the bill. Uh, we're happy with that. We're going to do whatever we can to try and uh, maintain them in the bill and, and put them into uh, the House bill, which I think will be a bigger challenge. The House bill itself, do you have any idea what would pass the House of Representatives, just like in the farm bill situation, that can be merged with the Senate bill so the President would sign it? Yeah, I, I, I don't. I really don't, Ken. I wish I knew. Uh, I think the House is going to be much more difficult. Uh, I think the the uh, the players there are still in the process of trying to sort out what they might be able to do. There are sort of two different approaches 
that are being pursued simultaneously. One is a series of smaller piecemeal bills that sort of take an issue at a time uh, coming through Judiciary Committee. And then another uh, more comprehensive approach that looks a little more like what the Senate did. And I don't know that they have yet determined uh, which of those two approaches will be used. And uh, once they determine that, then you've got to figure out a way to get the votes for the various, either the bill or the various bills. And I think we're a little ways away from having that happen yet. Final question, or maybe frustration, and that is it appears to be there's a pattern that the Senate passes a bill that many people think is good. Uh, the president may declare his support for it, and then the House goes out of its way to shoot it down. Are, yeah. we, are we dysfunctional in the House of Representatives, as was uh, stated by the chairman of the House Ag Committee? I believe we are, and I've been saying that for some time. And I'll tell you what is I think is sort of at the root of it. And I don't mean to be disparaging a class or a group of members of Congress, but I, I will say that the influx of many of the Tea Party members that came in in 2010 and predominantly, that many of them came with an attitude of, we just want to cut, cut, cut. Uh, I met with many of those as they were freshman members, and I, I tell you, every time I walked into their office, the message was the same. My boss was elected with the idea of coming to Congress to cut programs with a meat axe, uh, not with a scalpel. And uh, that attitude is not very conducive to compromise. And as a consequence, I think you saw that with the farm bill. I mean, 60-some of those members of the Republican Party, the, mostly the far right, that voted against it, even though they voted for many of these amendments that, you know, in the end were poison pill, uh, I think that same dynamic has been at play in many of the issues. And the final thing I'd say here, Ken, is, you know, it used to be that most of us who watch these processes, we would look at the Senate as the place where bills went to die because, you know, you needed the supermajority, filibuster, and all that kind of stuff. And it seems like they've managed on the Senate side to do things in a much more bipartisan way and it's the house that's become the place that you just can't get things through. Roger Johnson, thank you very much for being our guest on AgriPulse Open Mic. Good to be with you, Ken. Take care. Bye-bye. AgriPulse Open Mic has been brought to you by the U.S. Grains Council. I'm Ken Root.